Hi, and welcome to the South Central PA Mom Fireflies and Whoopie Pie Podcast, where we discuss motherhood, local events, and everything in between right here in South Central PA. So sit back, grab a coffee a while, and settle in for the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Fireflies and Whoopie Pie. This week, we have Amy, another local mom who is here to talk to us about a very important topic. Amy, thank you for being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So you are here to talk about the mama bear effect. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? Absolutely. Uh, The mama bear effect is a 501c3 nonprofit for child sexual abuse awareness and prevention. So the mission is to make abuse prevention education accessible and geared toward families and caregivers. Adrian Simeon founded the Mama Bear Effect in the fall of 2012. She lives in Massachusetts with her husband and four children. She worked in marketing and sales until having her first child. It was after reading one too many stories about a child being sexually abused that Adrian felt a calling to create change and encourage people to protect children from being sexually abused. Now, I I think that a lot of people have this mindset that this is something really rare and that it only happens to to other people, right? It it, it would never happen in our family. Yeah. But that's not even remotely true. No, no, not even close, not even close. So the definition of child sexual abuse is any sexual activity between an adult and a child is sexual abuse. Sexual abuse does not have to involve penetration, force, pain, or even touching. If an adult engages in any sexual behavior, looking, showing, anything, with a child to meet the adult's interest, that's sexual abuse. Right. So like if, you know, your kid, let's say you have, I don't know, a 10 year old and they go to a friend's house and the friend's Mm -hmm. dad is like, Hey, come look at this playboy with me. Right. That is an example of sexual abuse. Yes. Yes. Um, So statistics range from study to study, but they estimate that one in 10 children are affected by sexual abuse to possibly as many as one in four girls and one in six boys. So that's <laughs> that's a huge percentage of our children. Um, and mo- 75% of these victims will not tell for at least a year, if ever. Uh, so it's not something largely talked about. Um, Half of the victims will wait at least five years before telling. And again, some never disclose. The majority of abuse is not reported to the authorities. So even when Adrian was reading all these stories, that was just the tip of the iceberg. We're not hearing most of the stories. Um, Well, kids, I would imagine, are experiencing a lot of the same emotions that, you know, adults do, like this, like guilt, like this is my fault. I should have said this differently or done this differently or, you know, shame. If I, if I tell the people this, then, you know, someone's going to think less of me or they're going to blame me, you know, so Mm -hmm. you stay quiet. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought it would never happen in our family. It, it happened to me. Um, by my brother when I was a child and I tried to tell my mom and was met with just frantic, um, not wanting to hear it, like just stop talking. Um, and so I thought, okay, I'm never bringing that up again. Um, and I was never protected from it. It, it was ongoing. So having gone through that, I thought I was doing everything right. I told my husband, um, even before we got married, if we ever have kids, they're never going to be left alone with my brother. Um, I was really vigilant about letting my children 
go to other people's homes, even if we knew them, because, you know, maybe, you know, the mother really well, but who's to say there's a brother or a cousin or an uncle or, you know, whomever. So I didn't really let her um, do playdates and sleepovers. They had to come here. Um, I was just really, I thought I was being really protective. She was actually sexually abused by my own father when she was 10 years old. Um, I never in a million years thought I had to protect her from him. We vacationed with them every year. It happened on a vacation, but we didn't, she didn't tell us. Um, I knew that something had changed. She, prior to that, she was the most loving, laid back, huggy, just fabulous, pleasant child. And I noticed right away that something was different. She was angry and sullen and didn't want to be touched. And I kept asking people for help, the pediatrician, other moms, you know, anyone and everyone. And everyone kept saying, oh, she's just um, going through puberty early. She's, you know, this is normal. And I would do anything to go back in time and not stop until I got an answer. Um, she, she went 10 years and didn't tell us. And then even the way it happened was just a bizarre, you know, the perfect storm that it came out. And then even then she said, she'd never tell us who, but we pressed and we pressed and, um, and got her to tell us. And then after that, it came out that he had done it also to my niece. So it can happen in any family. And it's, it's not always who you think it is. Um, so my daughter, um, and I wish I could say that she's doing really well. She's, changed forever. And she's really, it's, it's a hard road. And um, also she will tell you that um, she was very, very close with my mom. And we just assumed that she would believe her, like children don't make this stuff up. Um, actually, that's another statistic. It's less than 1% of um, disclosures turn out to be false, that, it, that a child just made it up. Less than 1%. Um, so my mom did not believe her. And oh she gosh. says that was even worse than the abuse. Um yeah. So yeah, it's destroyed our family for sure. Um, everything's different. Um, but my daughter asked, um, because of course I reached out to her to see what I'm, what she's comfortable with me sharing. And she asked me to stress the importance that it could be anyone and that people close to you have more of an opportunity she said, parents need to make sure kids feel safe telling them something happened. If it's a grandparent or a close family member, that can make it feel impossible for the child to tell anyone due to fear of not being believed and risk of punishment if their parents don't believe them. She said, I felt like there was a risk of everyone getting upset with me, and I didn't know if I would be expected to confront him. I knew he would lie and try to make it look like I was exaggerating or making it up. It felt safer to pretend like nothing happened and be really guarded around him. I had no idea what would happen if I told you, and I kept running through different scenarios in my head. They all seemed bad. And you have to remember, a 10-year-old doesn't have even the words 
necessarily to to say what happened. No, um, not today. Right, right, exactly. So, and that's what I, you know, want to talk about today. Um, yeah, my niece was also abused by my father, and she told me that she used to rehearse what she would say to her mom, but then she would start second guessing herself and wonder if she'd imagined the whole thing. And she felt like she was going crazy because she thought grandfathers don't do this. So she, in her mind, she convinced herself that she was making it up, that she was going crazy. And it, my heart just breaks. She was also 10 when it happened to her. Um, I just can't imagine um, just living, living with that. Um, well, that is, it's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, to hear about, and I, I'm mm -hmm. so sorry for that. Your family has had to experience this. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so, related to that, you, you know, the, the people who were the perpetrators, both for you and for your daughter and your niece, you know, were people you knew and people right. you thought you could trust. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 40% of abusers are immediate or extended family members of the victim. 50% know their victims and are in a position of trust with not only the victim, but the family. 40% are older children, siblings, cousins, friends, neighbors. It's crazy because when I started sharing what had happened to our family, so many women shared their story with me. And, and a lot of them said, you know, nobody knows this, or only my husband knows this, or my husband doesn't know this. Um, and the stories were of neighbors and, and friends and, you know, people that they knew, cousins. Um, yeah, so it's... Well, and you don't want to talk about it because there's yeah. this, there's, I mean, in addition to the psychological effects um, mm -hmm. of being a victim, it's it's also this cultural mindset that I mean, thankfully it's it's changing slowly, but there's still so much of well, what did you do to bring it on, right? Or right. you know, why yeah. didn't you run away, or why didn't you fight back, or why didn't you say something, or even right. more that what they did isn't that bad. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's even an, it's even worse if this person is in a position of, you know, trust and respect and authority in the community, exactly. or if they are somewhat, you know, well-known or looked up to, you know, you think of Chanel Miller, which is the, uh -huh. the college student who was um, assaulted by Brock Turner. Mm -hmm. And what was the judge's words that he didn't want to give him too harsh a sentence because it would ruin a promising young man's future. Right. 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 You know? And so it's like, if yeah. you're, if the abuser is anyone in any kind of position of authority, then that's mm -hmm. what people are going to say. Why are we can't ruin this person's life? Why are you trying right, to ruin right. this person's life? And parents will even um, cover it up when one of their children does it to another of their children. I know, three families that the brother abused the daughter or the sister. And then the parents, they know, they believe it, but they make these victims agree to secrecy because they don't want their child's life to be ruined. They don't, they just want to sweep it under the rug. Um, Which, you know, that's, I don't want to diminish what that must be like for a parent because, you know, you and I are both moms and I, I don't know how I would feel if one of my kids, you know, had abused someone. Right. But the thing is, is that you're not helping that child. Mm -hmm. You're not helping their future if you don't tackle what happened because right. then they're going to become an adult who thinks that this is, is acceptable. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it, it just, uh, do it. Uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. 
it just perpetuates abuse in general. It just, um, we can't break the cycle. It just keeps going. Um, the majority of people who exploit children through sexual materials, like you were saying, like, come look at this magazine with me, are parents. Parents are doing this. Um, so as far as, you know, who are the victims, the average age for reported sexual abuse, I'm going to have you guess. How, how many years old do you think the average age is for reported sexual abuse? Um, when it happens or when yeah, they report when it, it happens. Um, <laughs> that's, I, I would completely have to, I don't eight, nine, nine years old. Yeah. And that's the average. So it can be much younger. It can, it can be much older. Um, and one thing that I think is, I think really important to remember is that even though girls are more likely, it's not just girls. Oh, if you're absolutely. a mom of if you're a mom of boys, this is something that affects you too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, twenty percent of children at least um, will receive a sexual solicitation via the internet. Um, so there's there's a lot of awareness for sexual assault and rape on college campuses, which is awesome and that's important. But the reality is children face sexual abuse at a much higher rate. And yet support for prevention, for awareness, for appropriate resources, for the education of adults and children is minimal. And um, I, think I had no... That's what the mama bear effect helps to do. Right. I had no idea that the mama bear effect existed. Um, after my daughter's disclosure, I went to the library and got every book there was um, on sexual assault so I could um, understand the abuser's thought process as much as possible so I could understand what, what my daughter was going through. And I, I was amazed at what's out there, um, how much reading could be done, but nobody knows the statistics. Nobody knows um, that this material is out there. So I, I love that the mama bear effect is trying to bring this to light. Um, over. And you mentioned understanding the abusers, you know, so what is it like, like why does someone do this? Uh, they don't know. They don't know. Um, some have been abused themselves, but some have not. There's no, um, there's no conclusive anything on that. Um, I think but, that, I mean, obviously this is just speculation, but I would imagine that part of it is that a child is someone that you can easily control. Absolutely. And yes. manipulate. You can manipulate a nine-year-old a whole mm -hmm. lot easier than you can manipulate a 19-year-old. Not right. that a 19-year-old can't be manipulated. Like grooming is, yes. a, is a thing. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a lot easier for a mm -hmm. nine-year-old or, you know, a six-year-old right. um, to be manipulated and then controlled. Right. Yeah. And even, even scared, you know, like, like uh, you know, again, a 19-year-old, of course, you can still scare them. But it's a lot easier to tell a seven-year-old, mm -hmm. hey, if you tell anyone this, I'm going to go do blah, blah, blah to your mom and dad, and they're going to believe you. Right, right. Absolutely. Yes. Over 80% of children are abused within a home, either their own home or the home of the perpetrator. So I think we have an idea that, you know, this is happening in dark alleys or, you know, I, you know, in the playground in the middle of the night or something. Um, but like I said, over 80%, it's in the abuser's home or it's in the victim's home. Um, so yeah, we don't just want to talk to our children. Um, uh, we also want to have conversations with other adults to take steps to minimize the risk. So a child's body sa safety education is never put to the test to begin with. Um, as a family, we need to work together to promote appropriate behaviors and set an example 
of respectful relationships. So kids can know what it's supposed to look like because they don't know any different. Um, so this means not forcing affection. You know, we I'm sure we're all guilty of it, of forcing our kids to hug Aunt May or Grandpa or, you know, whoever. Um, no, don't, don't, they can ask, but also tell your kid it's okay to say, I'm not comfortable with that. Can I give you a high five or, you know, find alternatives. Yeah. I think that that's something that for our generation, like we were raised to see that, oh, well, you're being rude if you say no. Right. Right. But it's like, you know, hey, saying I don't want to give you a hug or I don't want to sit in your lap, it doesn't have to equal rudeness. Uh You know, you can like, hey, I I don't want to give you a hug right now. But like you mentioned, hey, how about a high five instead? Right. Right. It's not rude. No, you know, it's, it's, not it's rude. teaching children that they have control over their bodies. Exactly, exactly. And we don't want to shield children, um, you know, from talking about it, thinking, oh, this, you know, it'll be detrimental if we talk about it. Um, it it's more detrimental if, if we don't. Um, we also want to shield children from sexualized content. Um, don't put your head in the sand and and, you know, think, oh, you know, if I give them this, this tablet or whatever, that they're just going to watch Cocoa Melon, like, um, be mindful and be aware and, um, and shield them from the sexualized content so that they don't think that that's normal. Um, we want to teach and promote privacy, like, you know, you deserve to have privacy when you're changing or when you're using the bathroom Um, and have open conversations with kids about anything and everything. So they can feel comfortable talking to us. Um, Also calling out. And I wish I would have done this um, when my kids were small, calling out someone, anyone, even if it's a relative who is not respecting your child's boundaries or doing something that could harm a child. A lot of times we think, you know, if, if it is our parents or our siblings or that, you know, oh, they're just having fun. Um, but they, they might be refusing to, to respect our boundaries. So it's perfectly acceptable to limit or modify or eliminate contact. And if they, you know, like, like I did with um, my brother, if he were to, you know, have an objection, like you, you can't play behind this closed door with my daughter. Well, that, that's a huge red flag. Like a, a good, decent, loving person is, is going to respect your boundaries and you shouldn't feel like you can't make the rules and make family obey the rules. Right. And every time there's a red flag, it doesn't mean that someone is an abuser, but you still should pay attention when there is one right now. And someone not being willing to obey your, your boundaries. Mm -hmm. That's a red flag. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And like I said before, with going over to a friend's house for a play, for a play date, um, other people might be coming or going like you, you don't know who's in that house. Um, are you on the same page about body safety? Do they not allow playing behind closed doors? What kind of access do they have to the internet? Um, and then there's the oodles and oodles of organized activities um, that our kids go to, be it sports or faith-based or camps or whatever. Um, don't be afraid to ask, ask them questions. Say, you know, what do you do to prioritize safety? Are children ever permitted to be alone one-on-one with an adult? Why? Why does that happen? Um, or with another child? Um, don't forget that uh, that a good a good percentage of abuse is happening from other children when children are left alone one one to one. So the the mama bear effect. They have something called Rock the Talk. It's on their website. And it's a resource for parents to learn how to talk to kids of all ages. They have, she has one for, for babies, for toddlers, for preschoolers, like all the way up um, for teenagers of just how 
to talk to your kids about body safety. Um, we talked earlier about how survivors have said, I did not have the words to tell. That was totally my experience. I was trying to, when I talked to my mom, I'm just spitting out different things that probably didn't make sense. I didn't know, I didn't know what to say. Um, I didn't have the vocabulary or, um, you know, just the maturity to, to explain what was happening. So um, there is a big difference between a secret and a surprise. Can I ask you that? What, what, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot with all these questions. What do you think the difference between a secret and a surprise? Um, well, I think that it would be all in the way that you are framing it. A surprise is something that we're not going to tell mom because her birthday's coming up, but she's going to find out, you know, right. in two weeks. Whereas right. a secret is something we don't want her to ever find out. Right, right. Yes, you hit, your, hit it on the on the head. Um, I had never thought about this before, but if I had it to do it over again, I would be a, a no secret family. Secrets are usually not positive and no one else will ever know. Like you said, secrets are really only for married couples and maybe professional counselors. They serve no purpose in a, in a child's life. Um, right. A surprise, however, is usually something positive and everyone's going to know about it at a specific point in time. So those are for everyone. So I wish I would have taught my kids the difference very, very young and made it clear that we don't have secrets. No one should ask you to keep a secret. Um, I'm not going to keep secrets from you. You're not going to keep secrets from me. Um, surprises are great. We can all go in on a surprise, but um, we just don't have secrets in our family. Well, and I think that that's another part of like what you just said, the difference between secrets and surprises. We can all go mm -hmm. in on a surprise. If we're right. having a surprise for mom, it's okay if, you know, Uncle Joey finds out. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, we can help with the surprise. Yeah. And that can, you can teach that through other things too. Um, you're teaching them to respect themselves. So even if it's something little, like, you know, Aunt Jan gave gave you cookies before dinner and she said, let's keep this as our little secret. Well, people might think that's totally harmless. But if the child is learning that to keep secrets from their parents, that's not going to end well. Like the child should be able to come home and be like, Aunt Jan broke the rules. She, you know, she gave me cookies um, and she told me to keep it a secret. So then it's my job to go to Aunt Jan and say, hey, I love um, that the two of you have fun together and, and I understand there's going to be special things and it's not a big deal to have cookies before dinner once in a while, but don't call it a secret. Don't ask my child to keep something from me. There cannot be secrets. Um because I'm her mom and I'm in charge and I'm responsible for her safety. So, and you know, if aunt Jan, aunt Jan should be like, Oh my gosh, you're totally right. That totally makes sense. Thank you. And if she's not, then there's something wrong. So. And what would you say? Cause I, I feel like there even still today is a lot of pushback to this kind of stuff. Like, Oh, it's not that big a deal. Right. Right. You no. Know? Like they know not to let anyone do whatever things to them, you know? Uh-huh. But that's how people groom. That's how abusers groom. It does start. I'm not saying that everybody who gives a kid a cookie and says, keep it a secret is, is an abuser, but that's how abusers do start to groom. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to test it. They're going to see, can, will this child keep the secret from their mom? And then, you know, can I push it and can I push it and can I push it? Right. Um, like start building that relationship to exactly, where exactly exactly the child is like, oh, I can, this is my special friend. Right. And I don't want to get them in trouble because they're my special friend. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, and we want, we want the other adults in our kids' lives to know that our, our kids are going to tell us stuff. Um, and again, they should be okay with that. Um, 
if they're if they really love your child and want what's best for your child. Um, of course, it's it's not realistic to to plan to be with your child every minute. I have heard parents say, um, you know, I'm I'm not I'm homeschooling. Um, I'm I won't let them do sports or I won't, you know, whatever whatever it may be. It's not realistic to to plan to be with your child every minute. Um, so when your child is spending time alone with others, the risk for abuse can increase, um, whether it's camp or a play date or a sleepover. So what we want to do is incorporate regular check-ins with our children, and then it normalizes the conversations. So at a quiet time, bedtime, whenever you can talk to your kid one-on-one, after they've been alone with somebody, ask them open-ended questions. Uh, how did you spend your time? Did you do anything different with them at their house than we do here? What was the best part? What was the worst part? Did everyone follow body safety rules? Did you ever feel uncomfortable? And of course, you don't want to ask every single question every single time. Um, and you kind of want to build that start when they're tiny, tiny, tiny. So it feels like a conversation and not an interrogation. Um, and then, you know, they're going to feel they're going to be in the habit of not only talking to you, but of kind of analyzing their time with other people. And that's going to serve them well throughout their life. Um you know, in relationships they have and, and making good choices just to kind of have a check-in um, and see, you know, was that in my best interest? Did that, was I comfortable? Is that something I want in my life? So. Right. Because part of our job as parents is getting our children ready to be adults, right? So. Exactly. We can't never let them have independence. Exactly. You know, that's yeah. where these, I, and I can imagine like it's, it's going to be hard when you start out to have these conversations, but mm -hmm. eventually it gets easier. Right. Right. It's just what you do. It's just normal. And um, it doesn't have to be like an interrogation. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like well, it shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, like, Hey, you went to wrestling practice today. How did it go? You know, like, yeah. Oh, I had a great time. Okay. You know, so we'll, and you just kind of naturally work it into the conversation. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So what does not work to prevent right. children from sexual abuse is trusting people based solely on their reputation or authority. Like you talked about earlier, um, mm -hmm. you know, people in these positions that we just, doctors, like think about the doctor with the gymnastics team um, that everybody trusted. Uh, yeah. That, Dr. Larry, Larry Nasser. Yeah. Um, like that, Larry Nasser. it's just disgusting. Um, but people yeah. believe it because it's a doctor. Right. Right. So don't do that. <laughs> don't trust everybody. Don't assume that schools and programs specifically for children are taking comprehensive steps to protect children. Um, or that just because someone is presenting themselves as this, you know, nice upstanding, Oh, look, they go to church every Sunday or they exactly. volunteer at, you know, my kid's school. Okay. Well, those are great yeah. things. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. And that's my father. He, he, He's very, um, he's very vain and he will brag about how he's never missed church. And now looking back, of course, hindsight's 2020, but anyone who builds themselves up that much now I'm thinking, of course, what was he, you know, hiding? What was he trying to convince himself and everybody else, what an upstanding man he is. Um, yeah. So, um, and he does, he still, he still goes to church every Sunday. Another thing is um, even if people pass their background checks, remember that 
most abuse is not reported. Even, right. I mean, a lot of abuse is not even disclosed, but mm -hmm. from there, very few people report it because again, they want to, you know, shield people from ruining their life or whatever. Um, so someone can have a long history of abusing people and still pass a background check. So you can't, you know, rest assured and, and simply knowing that the school or the camp or wherever has done their background checks. Um, also, I think when you and I were young, it was the stranger danger. And I think we are getting away from that. I hope we are. Gosh. Oh, because, I hate that. Yes. I hate, so I hate the Totally. It was like yeah. growing up, it was stranger danger. And the notion of sexual abuse was for children, you know, that, that I was taught. And I don't, I don't even want to say it by my parents. This was just culturally the way it was. Right, right. You know, it was like the notion of, oh, yeah, the guy who was like, oh, come with me to look for my lost yeah. puppy. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And if someone yeah. comes up to you at the park and says that, uh -huh. then you don't go. They with lure them. you into their car with their candy. You know? <laughs> but it's yeah. like, and you look back in retrospect, it's like that, that, that. It's That's ridiculous. Never, it doesn't yeah. never happen, but it's like, it pretty much never happens. Yes, right, right. <laughs> Yeah. Um exactly. 90% of perpetrators are not strangers. And we also want kids um that if they are in a bad position that they should look for, you know, a cop or you know, like not all strangers are dangerous. Some of them can help you. Um so I saw a phrase that I don't remember where I saw it. I, so I'm not taking credit. I'm just, you know, <laughs> I'm a mom. So my brain is just like a sieve most of the time. It just kind of stuff disappears, but it's what I use now and it's tricky people. And that's what I try to tell my kids, you know, like it's, if you're in trouble, go ask an adult. A tricky person is the type of person that will go ask a kid for help as an example. Right. right. Like there is no circumstance in which an adult should be asking a child for help. Exactly. Right. You know, so like tricky people, um, that's who you need to worry about. But if you're in trouble and you feel uncomfortable, absolutely find your closest adult and ask them because 99% of the time they're going to help you. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's another thing the mama bear effect talks about, about is teaching your kids who they can talk to and that that circle should be so, so small. Um, like let them know if anything is going on and you don't want to come to me, you know, go to like this person that, you know, understands body safety and, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards. Um, we don't want to tell them to go to any adult. Um, but yeah, there should be at least one other person that they can go to if they're not comfortable going to you for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that tricky, tricky people. Yeah, it was, yeah. there was this whole like list of examples, but I remember it stood out because I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes so much more sense, mm -hmm. you know, than, yeah. than the idea of stranger danger. Yeah. And I remember one of the biggest things that they talked about was adults asking children for help yeah. or adults trying to be a child's friend. Things, it's, you know, I think it was a lot of stuff along those lines, which uh -huh. those are signs of grooming. Right. Um, yeah. Because yeah, adults, not are, kids adults are not friends with children. Right. You know, like yeah. You're you're a 45 year old man or woman, you know, which <laughs> yeah. I think that's another yeah. thing that I'm totally like just going off in left field. But women can be abusers too. They can. I know it they're is, not often. It is rare. Yeah. It's not as often, but it, it's like, you know, don't let your guard down just because it's, you know, Aunt Sue. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. If Aunt Sue is acting weird. And, you know, crossing boundaries and stuff, then, you know, still have that red flag up. Right, right. Anyway. About it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's like, you know, you're a 45-year-old man. You don't, you're not, you have, there's no friendship with my nine-year-old. Right, right. Well, yeah. And we, need, we need to teach our kids that they are not, it's not their job to help adults. It, it's never your job to, to help an adult. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so what does work? Um, mm-hmm. We know being open and expecting others to behave within our boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, request what policies are in place at camps, activities, to eliminate one-to-one situations. The one-to-one issue, I think, is the biggest thing. Anywhere that your kids go, they should not be left alone with another adult or with another child one-to-one. There is safety in numbers. Um, And we know enough that that should be everybody's policy. If you take your kid to an activity and they're like, oh no, you know, Bob takes the kids. If they, if they have to go to the bathroom, they have to go with just Bob. Well, no, <laughs> that's, um, they should have something, something is wrong if they don't have policies in place to eliminate one-to-one situations. Um, I mean, I know like some churches have even for all their classrooms, they've uh, put a window in every door. Um, so anyone going by at any time, you know, can, can look in. Um, we need to accept that the greatest risk to children will come from those that they know and that you know really well. Um, I know I say that over and over again, but I don't think people know or maybe even believe that that 90% of abusers know their victims. Um, And we need to educate our children to understand their body and the concept of consent and personal responsibility. Um, So I think the best defense um, is educating our children. Um, There's a lot that we can educate the adults in our in our circle to avoid ever putting children in the situation uh, in the first place. Um, so rather than like really hone in on talking to kids about what they can come back and say to us or that they feel safe with us, let's just eliminate that whole need. Let's um, do everything we can to avoid those one-to-one situations. Um, Identify the situations that create opportunity for abuse. Consider ways to avoid the isolation of a child with another person. Um, In in my case, um, my, and, and I don't know why, I don't know why this was, we were all going out somewhere And my daughter said she wanted to hang back. I think she may have gotten like a new game or something. And she wanted to hang back and play that. And my father said he was going to hang back too. And I should never have allowed that one-to-one opportunity. And that gets me Pretty much every day. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just be aware and don't allow those one-to-one um, situations. Um, we know that child sexual abuse most often occurs in one-to-one situations where the abuser and the victim are out of sight. This is 80% of the time. And that doesn't have to be way out of sight. Um, Apparently, my father also tried to do this with, to my cousin, we had a whole house full for Thanksgiving. There were a lot of people here. And he just took her down in the basement. Um, she was able to get away. Nobody remembers that. She only told us, I don't know, 10, 15 years later. Um, nobody noticed that they were gone because there were so many people and, you know, there's a lot going on for cooking and everything. Um, so it doesn't have to be far. 
It just has to be behind closed doors. So, so eliminate that. Um, have an open door policy. If it's daytime, doors should be open if there's more than one person in the room. Um, and this should apply ev every day, everywhere, even if it's just your immediate family, because siblings are doing this to siblings. Um, when people are over to visit, one-on-one -on -one time doesn't need to be in a closed bedroom. So yeah, maybe Uncle Larry wants to just have some one-on-one -on -one time with a grandchild or a nephew or a niece. Keep the door open. Um, there's no reason that you that you need to close the door. Um, there's no reason that you need to go in the basement, but all the games are in the basement. Bring it up here. Um, or or all the games are in the basement. Okay, then, you know, go down as a group. Right. Yes. Excellent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, what yeah. are the, like, since as you mentioned, you know, children are not likely to disclose. Um, so what are warning signs um, that could maybe tip off parents that something's been going on? Um, um, crying, um, different bathroom habits, um, not wanting you to see them. Like if all of a sudden they don't want you in the room, you know, when they're dressing or, you know, in a lot of families, it's kind of an open door policy with the, with the same gender parent. If all of a sudden they are not comfortable with that. Um, for my daughter, it was, it was a complete change. Um, she, um, and again, like when I say it, I think people will think like, lady, how did you not know? But again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like I, you know, it was little things here and there and it just, I couldn't put it all together. Um, she never slept with the light off. Um, like all of a sudden I was always, you know, disgruntled, like you need to turn the light off. Um, she, um, she locked doors when we would go to their house. The poor girl was with this man for 10 years after this happened um, over and over and over again. And she would lock doors. I thought that, you know, the age turning 11, 12, 13, I thought she was just, you know, going through puberty. Everyone was telling me that's what girls do. Um, trying to think. I don't know. I, so, I mean, just, I guess in general, it's like if you're seeing shifts in behavior. Right. Anything that you can't your finger on. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what should parents do when they see that? I wish I had um, gone, taken her somewhere and talked together, like to a counselor, um, like me, her, and the counselor, or even um, my husband, her, and the counselor. Um, but then, let like ha gave her the opportunity for her to talk alone. I wonder. Um, I wonder if that would have helped. Um, I did write her a letter. Um, six months after it happened and it's great. Can I read it to you? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because I, it's amazing. We found it just recently. I had, I didn't even remember writing it and I just couldn't believe that 
um, that she didn't tell me. Um, I said, my sweet girl, from the time you were little, you were my sweet, snuggly girl. We always commented that you could turn any situation into something good. Your cup was always half full and you made everyone feel like a million bucks. Last summer, you became so sullen and angry and nasty. I sometimes felt my heart was breaking. Lately, I feel like my true girl is back. My heart is singing. My girl that is sweet and kind and huggy and happy. I hope you know you can talk to me about anything. I always want what's best for you. Other than God, I am your biggest fan. And she didn't, she didn't respond at, at all. Um, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to push because, you know, when your kid is like that, when they're sullen and angry and I was so worried about pushing her further away. Um, she said she felt like if she told the whole family would, it would affect the family and I wouldn't have parents. And I, I don't care. I, I don't, I don't have parents now. Um, I would give anything to, um, to have her healthy and well. I think that's something that, yeah, you know, kids are just, they're never going to understand until they're a parent themselves. Right. You know, even on a smaller level, you know, it's like when my six year old, <laughs> oh my gosh, last night I was putting her to bed and she's like, mommy, you're so tired. I, I'm going to do some more of your work for you because you're oh, so, that's so sweet. You know, it is. It's sweet, but it's like, you know, you always do so much for us and, and I feel so bad. It's like, no, like that's my job. Right. Yeah. Kids will understand and they never will until they're a parent that a parent will sacrifice anything mm -hmm. for their kids, you know, health and yeah. safety and happiness. So, you know, yeah. For something of this magnitude, you know? Yeah. It, she also told me once, cause I said, didn't they talk about this in school? Cause I, I do remember her having like a, you know, they all go in the gym and had um, good touch, bad touch or something when my kids were in grade school. And I said, didn't they talk to you about this? And she said, yes, but they always acted like, again, like you were saying, it was like the weird guy in the hooded sweatshirt or the, right. you know, she said, I didn't know it could be a grandpa. Nobody ever said it could be a grandpa. So I thought something was wrong with me, that this was bizarre, that this never happened, that, that something was wrong with, with me. So, yeah. So teach, teach your kids. Um, which, you know, and that's part of they have control there. over their body, no matter who it is. And that's where I think you were, you know, the, the mama bear um, effect can come into play. Cause you know, I'm looking at their website right now and isn't you know, it I, amazing? I, it is. I it, love it. I especially love how it has guides for how to talk to your children at all these different age ranges. Yes. And they even have a section for children with disabilities, which yes. for yeah. anyone who may be, you know, following this, I have a son with down syndrome and this mm -hmm. is something that I think about a lot. You um, know, statistically they are victims more often. Yeah. Oh, it, because it, they're easily here into my heart all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I love that they even talk here, like here's guides for how you can, talk to them about mm -hmm. that. Someone who has a disability, um, even intellectual Absolutely. disabilities. Yes. You know, so, and, and when you're thinking like, oh, it's a four-year-old, how am I supposed to talk to a four-year-old about this? Like they have that on here. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it is good you're, stuff. you're wondering like, where do I get started? Like the mama bear effect is 
a great resource mm-hmm. to have. Yes, it truly is. They also have a Facebook page that you can follow. Um, and, and sometimes they offer like a webinar or um, they just keep you up, you know, up to date on what's happening in the world and, um, you know, new statistics or new tools to put in your tool belt. It's good stuff. April is sexual child sexu- sexual abuse awareness month. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's what I was, I, I'm looking here. They also have how you can help. So yes. if this is something yes. that anyone listening, you want to get involved. They have ways that you can volunteer and help. And they specifically mention, um, child abuse prevention month in mm-hmm. April. Yep. Um, and this is, I don't, maybe, you know what this is about, but they, they say plant a pinwheel garden. Right. Um, yeah, I guess that's just the, you know, how different things have issues have either okay. a color or, a I don't know what to call it an item, but yeah, I guess the mm-hmm. pinwheel, um, I don't know if there's a story behind that. I, I imagine there is, but I guess that's like the symbol, um, so, you know, just like, you know, you kids will fork a, fork a, <laughs> a lawn um, in the middle of the night or whatever. It's, um, it's not a, in a, <laughs> a mischievous thing to do to spread pinwheels all over an area for, um, for child sexual abuse awareness. But yeah, that's my, that's my fervent goal for 2024 is to become much more involved with the mama bear effect. I would love to go into um, preschools and daycares um, and elementary schools, churches, to parents, to present to parents all the things that we've talked about in this hour, um, to make them aware to make that, you know, give them tools in their tool belt. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that this does not happen um, to any more children. That's yeah, that's, it's, it's a very important, very important issue. And it is reassuring. I know we have a long way to go still, but it's, you know, even just from this conversation, like talking about, how it was handled when we were children to how it's looked at now. Like that's right. It's reassuring that we're coming to more understanding and mm-hmm. more knowledge on the issue and people who are informed and knowledgeable are, I mean, I don't know if there are studies to back this up. It's just my opinion, uh-huh. <laughs> but I think if you are knowledgeable about something, you're that much more likely to be able to prevent it from happening. Absolutely. Yes. Knowledge is power. Yes, Absolutely. So, um, and you know, with that, with that note, like, I just really want to thank you for coming on and sharing so much of your knowledge and your story with us today. Yeah. Somebody told me one time, like you've joined a club that nobody ever wants to join. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's hard. There's a, also a group, um, mothers of sexually abused children, Mozak. um, but you know nothing can nothing can turn back time and unfortunately i mean there are great stories of of reconciliation and healing and but the vast majority of perpetrators do not admit it and that's um that's what happened in our case um ours even went you know through the the court and um yeah, he's registered now, but that's about it. He's living his best life in a really nice house in a really nice area, doing them really nice things. Um, oh, sorry, but yeah, yeah. So, well, we will make sure to include links for all of you know these resources, you know, the Mama Bear Effect, and many more on in our show notes and. Awesome. Um, Awesome. So thank you again so much, Amy. For Thank being you here. so much for having me.
Thank you. That's our episode for this week. New episodes will drop every Monday. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss out. Leave us a review and share to help other moms find us. Thanks for stopping by the Fireflies and Whoopie Pie podcast, the only podcast by South Central PA moms for South Central PA moms. Until next time.